Good morning. Two months ago, Erin Kaplan lost her life in a crash on Evergreen Mills Road. Yesterday, the guy who investigators say was driving the food truck that hit her car was indicted on five counts. For Tuesday, November 14th, it's your Loudon Now Morning Minute. You and thousands of other people listen to the Morning Minute every day. It's trusted, it's personal, and you take it with you wherever you go. So if you've got a business, why not advertise on the Morning Minute and reach the thousands of people listening right alongside you wherever they are. Get in touch at loudonnow.com advertise or email us at sales at loudonnow.com. That's loudonnow.com advertise or sales at loudonnow.com. Thanks for being with us. I'm Rince Green. Yesterday, a grand jury issued a five-count indictment against the man accused of driving a food truck into Aaron Kaplan's Audi station wagon at the intersection of Evergreen Mills and Watson Road. That crash killed Kaplan and seriously injured three of her family members. The charges come after a two-month investigation. Tony Stephen Dane has been charged with involuntary manslaughter, reckless driving, driving without an operator's license, a repeat offense, driving without insurance, and failure to get the vehicle inspected. The involuntary manslaughter carries a maximum sentence of 10 years in prison. According to the Loudoun County Sheriff's Office, the crash happened at about 4.50 p.m. on September 8th when Dane, driving a bus converted into the Dane's Great American Hamburger food truck, ran the stop sign and hit Kaplan's car. Erin Kaplan died at the scene. An adult passenger and her three children were airlifted to a Nova Fairfax hospital. The crash led to an outpouring of support from the community. A GoFundMe page raised more than $137,000 in donations. And it threw the safety problems on Evergreen Mills into stark relief. Since then, county leaders have pushed for safety improvements along the road with new urgency, and the sheriff's office has increased speed patrols around there. Very little about the prosecution's case has been made public so far. The charges come from a closed grand jury session. Because it was a direct indictment, there was no preliminary hearing. According to information in a warrant from the investigation, Dane told investigators the food truck's brakes failed, and before the crash, the truck narrowly missed hitting students getting off a school bus. Go to loudonnow.com slash morning minute to check out the whole story. In other news, supervisors are taking another crack at real estate tax relief for the elderly and disabled. They've been trying for years to fix what they see as inequities in the tax relief system we already have, but have never been able to reach a consensus on how that would work. Supervisors worry that the way the county provides tax relief now is unfair because it weighs a person's net worth. Here's how that works. To qualify for tax relief, a person must be 65 years or older or permanently disabled, their gross household income not including disability payments or a portion of their spouse's income must not be more than $72,000, and they and their spouse's net worth cannot exceed $440,000 excluding their house and some property. If they meet all these criteria, they are eligible for a pass on their real estate tax. But supervisors worry that works against people who have saved for retirement. A person's retirement savings, which adds to their net worth, could disqualify them, while a person with a higher monthly income and a pension, but without those retirement savings, could still qualify. 
This newest proposal to fix the system, prepared this time by county staffers instead of by county supervisors, expands on the existing program. It sets up four more brackets of tax relief, which at least in the beginning get only 50% relief instead of 100%. They're based on a sliding scale of income versus net worth. Okay. Here's how it works. First, take a person's net worth and figure out how much they could get if they put all of it into a lifetime annuity. The county ballparked $5,400 a year per $100,000 invested in the annuity, or 5.4%. Then add that to their annual income. So for a person bringing in the maximum income under the current system, $72,000 a year, and with the maximum net worth, $440,000, that works out to $94,880 of what you might call financial status. Using that as a guideline, the four new brackets go up to $65,000 annual income with $560,000 net worth, $59,000 a year with $680,000 net worth, $52,000 a year with $800,000 net worth, or $46,000 a year with $920,000 of net worth. Using the formula I just described, all those give you approximately the same financial status. And the county only set out those many tax brackets because using that formula, you can get some strange edge cases. So there had to be a cutoff for both income and for uh, net worth. If you just use the numbers that formula gets you, you end up giving tax relief to a person with no annual income, but nearly $1.8 million in the bank, or no savings, but making $94,880 a year. Sound complicated? Yeah. As you try to make the program more... Um, uh, more equitable, more fair, in more ways, you, you also invariably make it more complicated and, and difficult to administer and for the public to understand. Reporters are, I note, members of the public. That was economist Doug Kenny, who works in the County Department of Management and Budget. He helped come up with the new system, and he said the annuity thing is a commonly used device in measuring a household's financial status. It's also hard to predict exactly how much this will cost the county, which is why county staff recommend phasing it in by starting with only 50% tax relief. That's to avoid any shocks to the revenues. Based on the limited data they have, county budget staff have estimated the county could give up up to $1.2 to $2.7 million in tax revenue with this new system, on top of the $8.3 million in real estate tax the program already forgives. Like all previous plans, supervisors saw it as an imperfect solution. Here's Supervisor Ron Meyer. I wish it wasn't 100% or 50. I still think that if you live here and own a house, you should be paying some level of taxes, even if it's, you know, even if you have 75% relief. Um, but this is the cards that this board's been dealt from the last board. And so I think this is an improvement on the uh, original proposal. He would actually like to see some level of tax relief extended to more seniors. Supervisor Gary Higgins, one of our Western supervisors, said this plan still leaves out some people. If I have a farm that's worth a million bucks that I'm busting my chops on to earn $72,000, and let's say I make 70000 72000 okay, that farm throws me out of this tax relief because that basically is my way of earning income. But all that said, only Supervisor Matt Letourneau opposed this plan outright. He said this just expands the tax relief system instead of fixing it. I think all we've done is expand the program, and this is income redistribution. This is just massive income redistribution, where everybody else in the county now will be paying more, $11 million total for the program. That's over a cent in our tax rate now that everybody else will be paying because we're now giving a subsidy to other people. 
But Supervisor Ralph Bonner, who's championed this idea, along with Supervisor Suzanne Volpe, said the impact isn't that large, it isn't wealth redistribution, and it's about helping out elderly people and disabled people. And what we are trying to do here is make it equitable and fair. This is about fairness to our seniors and our disabled. It's the right thing to do, guys. Thank you. Supervisors voted 8 to 1. Letourneau opposed to draft a revision to the county tax code and will schedule a public hearing for it later. Phew. Okay, changing topics. Ken Patterson, Felix Rudy. Discover Percival's auction of painted benches and planters over the weekend brought in $35,000 for community events and promotions. The works were painted by dozens of area artists and have been on display around town since June. And all 50 pieces were on the auction block at the skating rink, with auctioneer Brian Damewood and his team rallying a crowd of 250 people. The highest bid of the night was for Trisha Carr's bench depicting a scene with an owl, a fox, and a deer, and sponsored by Blue Ridge Veterinary. It brought in $5,100. There's also a planter by Janet Rivera sponsored by Loudon Floors. It went for $550 with another $550 matching donation from another bidder for a total of $1,100. That money will go to Woodgrove High School's chapter of Alex's Lemonade to help fight cancer. Some of these works will go to the winning bidder's yards, but many of them were bought by businesses and will still be on display around town. And a local company dropped off some office supplies to a government office. By which I mean Orbital ATK celebrated the flawless launch of a Cygnus spacecraft on a cargo mission from Wallops Island to the International Space Station. They launched in the final seconds of Sunday morning's five-minute launch window. They had scheduled for Saturday morning, but a small plane wandered into the restricted airspace around the Wallops flight facility and forced them to scrub the launch that day. It was nine minutes atop a two-stage Antares rocket to get to orbit. Right now, the craft is under control of flight engineers at the company's headquarters in Dulles and is expected to dock with the ISS today. The mission of this craft, the SS Gene Cernan, which is named for the last man to set foot on the moon, is different from past flights. Those flights would deliver supplies, get filled up with garbage, and burn up on re-entry. This one is carrying 7,400 pounds of food, clothing, and experiments, along with 14 small satellites. After the supplies are unloaded, the craft will be used as a temporary workspace. Then it will be filled with trash and detached, but before it heads for the atmosphere to burn up, it will deploy the satellites about 50 kilometers above the station. Get the full story on all these stories over at loudonnow.com. And I have to tell you, long as this podcast is today, we had so many stories today, I couldn't even begin to get to them all. So like I said, loudonnow.com. On today's calendar, the National Sporting Library and Museum in Middleburg is hosting a talk and book signing with Judith Tabler, author of the book Fox Hunting with Meadow Brook. It's at 6 p.m., please RSVP. And Kendra Harvey will be giving a talk at the Leesburg Junction Speaker Series tonight in Leesburg at 7 p.m. Get the details and tickets for these events and check out the rest of the event's calendar at getoutloudon.com. And if you like the Morning Minute and very long descriptions of tax policy, tell all your friends and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and it'll be waiting for you there every morning. Okay, have a great day. Hey everybody, buddy, send them on, buddy, the dollar pay, I'll be buddy, buddy, to get for a thousand dollars.
I've met this auctioneer, uh, Brian Dingwood. Uh, actually, in fact, we did a story about him and his dad for a Father's Day piece one time. He's won uh, awards. He's really good. He's not going to slow down. Keep listening. It's not going to happen. I think he's barely breathing. Now. All right, that's enough of that.